sections forty one to forty four of Dulcibel by Henry Peterson. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter forty one. As Master Raymond walked up the street toward the Red Lion, he felt in utter spirits. He had secured the aid, if things should come to the worst, of a very influential friend, and one who, womanlike, would be apt to go even further than her word, as noble spirits in such cases are apt to do. Therefore he was comparatively light-hearted. Suddenly he felt a strong grasp upon his shoulder, and turning, he saw a couple of men beside him, one he knew well as Deputy Marshal Herrick of Salem. "'You are wanted at Salem, Master Raymond,' said Marshal Herrick gravely, producing a paper. Raymond felt a sinking of heart as he glanced over it. It was the warrant for his arrest, issued by Squire Hathorne. At whose complaint? he asked, controlling his emotions, and speaking quite calmly and pleasantly. At the complaint of Mr. Sam Putnam and Master Jeffrey Sands, replied the officer. Of witchcraft? That is very curious. But as Dr. Griggs knows, just before I left Salem Farms, I was suffering from an evil hand myself. Indeed, said the officer. When am I to go? Immediately. We have provided a horse for you. I should like to get my valise and some clothes from the Red Lion. The officer hesitated. Master Raymond smiled pleasantly. You must be hungry about this time of day and may have some of the best wine at the lion i ever tasted you shall drink a bottle or two with me you know that a man travels all the better for a good dinner and a bottle of good wine the officers hesitated no longer you are a sensible man master raymond whether you are a witch or not said the deputy marshal i think if the wine were better and plentier around salem there would be fewer witches rejoined master raymond which the other officer considered a very witty remark judging by the way he laughed at it the result of this strategic movement of master raymond's was that he had a couple of very pleasant and good-humoured officials to attend him all the way to salem jail where they arrived in the course of the evening proving that thus by the aid of a little metaphorical oil and sugar even the official machinery could be made to work a good deal smoother than it otherwise would for the officers themselves expressed their utter disbelief to the people they met of the truth of the charges that had been brought against master raymond who in truth was himself an afflicted person and had been suffering some time from an evil hand as the wise dr griggs had declared the salem keeper uncle robbie true to his accustomed plan of action received master raymond very gruffly but after he had got rid of the other professionals he had a good long talk and made his cell quite comfortable for him he also took him in to visit antipas who was delighted to see him and also to hear that mistress dulcibel was quite comfortably lodged with keeper arnold then the young man threw himself upon his bed and slept soundly till morning he did not need much study to decide upon his plans 
as he had contemplated such a possibility as that ever since the arrest of dulcibel and had fully made up his mind in which manner he would meet it if however he had known the results of the conference of the afflicted circle two days previous he would have felt more encouraged as to the probable success of the defence he meditated the constable that had aided the deputy marshal in making the arrest had agreed however to send word to joseph putnam of what had occurred and comforted by the thought of having at least one staunch friend to stand by him master raymond had slept soundly even on a prison pallet the next morning as early as the rules of the jail would admit joseph putnam came to see him i had intended to come and see you in boston to-day said master joseph but the she-wolf was too quick for me why had you heard anything yes and i hardly understand it abigail williams called to see goodwife buckley yesterday and told her in confidence that it was probable you would be cried out against by sister anne and jeffrey sands and to warn me of it abigail williams yes and she also dropped a hint that none of the other afflicted girls had anything to do with it for they looked upon you as a very nice young man and a friend well that is good news indeed said master raymond brightening up and i called upon dr briggs on my way here and he says he is confident there was an evil hand upon you when you were suffering at my house and he will be on hand at the examination to give his testimony if it is needed to that effect but that terrible sister-in-law of yours if she could only be kept away from the examination for half an hour and give me time to impress the magistrates and the people a little it might be done perhaps said joseph putnam musing do not be too conscientious about the means my dear friend continued master raymond do not stand so straight that you lean backward remember that this is war and a just war against false witnesses the shadows of innocent blood and wicked or deceived rulers if i am imprisoned what is to become of dulcibel think of her do not think of me joseph putnam was greatly agitated i will do all i can for both of you but my soul recoils from anything like deceit as for wickedness itself but i will think over it and see if i cannot devise some way to keep sister anne away for a time or altogether give me at least fifteen minutes to work on the magistrates and to enlist the sympathies of the people in my behalf for me so far as my conscience is concerned i should not hesitate to shoot that jezebel for the murder of twenty innocent men and women who have now been put to death she is mainly responsible and to kill her who surely deserves to die might save the lives of fifty others joseph putnam shook his head i cannot see the matter in that light friend raymond oh replied raymond of course i do not mean you should kill mr san i only put it as given my idea of how far my conscience would allow me to go in the matter draw her off in some way though keep her out of the room for a while give me a little time to work in i will do all i can you may be sure of that responded master putnam empathetically 
here further confidential conversation was prevented by the entrance of the marshal chapter forty two the examination was to commence at three o'clock in the afternoon and to be held in the court-house in the town as being more convenient to squire hathorne than the meeting-house in the village as master thomas putnam's house and farm were several miles beyond the village it made quite a long ride for them to attend the examination he had arranged with his wife however to start immediately after their usual twelve o'clock dinner taking her behind him on a pillion as was customary at that day his daughter anne being already in town where she was paying a visit to a friend he had received however a message about ten o'clock requesting his immediate presence at ipswich on a matter of the most urgent importance and though he was greatly puzzled by it he concluded to go at once to ipswich and go from there direct to salem town without coming home again as it would be very much out of his road to do so according to this new arrangement mistress anne would take the other horse and a lady's saddle and ride to town by herself they still had a third horse but that was already in town with her daughter the courthouse was but a short distance from the prison and as it was a good puritan fashion to be punctual to the minute at three o'clock precisely squires hathorne and corwin were in their armchairs and master raymond standing on a raised platform in front of them as the latter looked carefully round the room he saw that neither thomas putnam nor his mischievous wife nor his own best friend joseph putnam was present squire hathorne also observed that mistress anne putnam was not present but as she was usually very punctual he concluded that she would be there in a few minutes and after some whispered words with his colleague resolved to proceed with the examination turning to the young englishman he said in his usual stern tones ellis raymond you are brought forth authority upon high suspicion of sundry acts of witchcraft now tell us the truth of this matter but no answer came from the accused then when all eyes were intentionally regarding him he gave a wild shriek and fell outstretched upon the platform let me go to him said dr griggs elbowing his way through the crowd i said a month ago that an evil hand was upon him and now i am certain of it master raymond had not been an attentive observer of the recent trials for nothing and he now gave the audience an expedition which would compare favourably with the best even with mistress anne putnam's and abigail williams his face became shockingly contorted and he writhed and twisted and turned convulsively he tore imaginary spectral hands from around his neck he pushed imaginary weights from off his breasts he cried take them away pray take them away and so the whole company were very much affected and even the magistrates were greatly astounded dr griggs loosened his collar and unbuttoned his doublet and had water brought to sprinkle his face keeping up a running fire of words at the same time to the effect that he knew and had said at least a month before that master raymond had an evil hand upon him who is it that hurts you 
at length asked credulous squire hathorne see there is the yellow bird cried the young man staring into a vacancy he is coming to peck my eyes out kill it kill it dashing his hands out from his face violently has no one a sword pray to try to kill it here an impetuous young villager standing by drew his rapier and stabbed violently in the direction of the supposed spectral bird oh oh you almost killed it see there are some of its feathers and three yellow feathers were even seen floating in the air being small chicken feathers with which he had been provided that very morning by uncle robbie the jailer and which the adroit master raymond rightly thought would have a prodigious effect and the result was fully equal to his expectations from that moment it was evident that he had all the beholders with him and squire hathorne disposed as he had been to condemn him almost without a hearing was completely staggered he had the feathers from the yellow bird carefully placed upon his desk with the purpose of transmitting them at once to master cotton mather who with these palpable proofs of the reality of the spectral appearance would be able to utterly to demolish all the sceptical unbelievers finding that such an effort had been produced master raymond allowed himself to regain his composure somewhat mistress ann putnam who is one of the two complaints unaccountably is not here said squire hathorne master jethro sands what have you to say against this young man you are the other complainant probably my mother has come to the conclusion that she was mistaken as i told her and therefore she has remained at home said ann putnam the daughter who was delighted with the feather expedition and was secretly wondering how it was done well what have you to say jethro sands the audience looked around at jethro with scornful faces evidently considering him an impostor what did he know about witches compared to this rich young man from over the seas tell him you find you were mistaken also whispered lee herrick after seeing what we have seen i withdraw my charges squire i think that mistress putnam and myself must have been visited by the spectre of somebody else and not by master raymond i hope that next time you will wait until you are quite certain replied squire hathorne gruffly do you know that master raymond can have his action against you for very heavy damages for slander and defamation i certainly am very sorry and humbly beg master raymond's pardon said jethro very much alarmed he had never thought that the affair might take this turn as indeed it did in many cases some six months afterward and which was a very effective damper upon the spirits of the prosecutors then the magistrates could do nothing less than discharge the prisoner and master raymond stepped down from the platform a free man to be surrounded by a quite circle of sympathizing friends but his first thanks were due to dr griggs for his professional services doctor those things you did for me when in the convulsions relieved me greatly and he took out his purse yes doctor i insist upon it skill like yours is always worth its recompense you must not muzzle the ox you know that treads out the corn and he put a gold piece into dr gregg's palm 
which was not often favoured with anything but silver in Salem. Dr. Griggs was glad that he had been able to render him a little service, and said that, if there had been the least necessity for it, he would have gone on the platform and testified as to the complete absurdity of the charge that that excellent woman, Mistress Anne Putnam, evidently in mistake, had brought against him. Then the afflicted circle had to be spoken to, who this afternoon did not appear to be in the least afflicted, but in the very best of spirits. They now felt more admiration for him than ever, and greeted him with great cordiality as he came to where they were standing. When are you going back to England? was a frequent question, and he assured them he now hoped to go before many weeks, and then smiling, added that they would be certain to hear from him. As the crowd thinned out a little, Abigail Williams called him aside. And did you really see the yellow bird, Master Raymond? said she archly. The yellow bird? replied he dreamily. Ah, uh, you know that when we are afflicted, go into trances, we are not conscious of all that we see. For it seemed to me, continued the girl in a low tone, that those feathers looked very much like chicken feathers. Then she laughed cunningly, and peered into his face. Indeed, replied the young man gravely. Well, a chicken's bill pecking at your eyes is not a thing to be made light of. I knew of a girl, one whose eyes was put entirely out by her pet canary. And as he moved at once toward the rest of the group, the quick-witted and precocious child was compelled to follow. The magistrates had left the courthouse with the majority of the people, including Jeffrey Sands, when who should come in, walking hastily, and his face flushed with hard riding, but Thomas Putnam. Am I too late? What was done? he said quietly to Lee Herrick, who was standing near the door. Oh, the charges broke down, and Master Raymond was discharged. Ah, where is my wife? She did not come. It was said by your daughter that she probably found she was mistaken in the person, and stayed for that reason. I do not believe it. She would have told me. What did Jethro Sands do? Oh, he withdrew the charges, so far as he was concerned. There was a great deal more danger that Master Raymond would prove him to be a witch than he, Master Raymond. I see. It is a case of conspiracy, exclaimed Master Putnam hotly. Had you any hand in this, Master Raymond? Turning to the young Englishman, who had drawn near on his way to the door. Ah, Master Putnam, glad to see you. You did get here early enough, however, to witness my triumphant vindication. Here is learned Dr. Griggs and young Mistress Williams, and your own gifted daughter and handsome Miss His Herrick, and half a dozen others of my old friends who were ready to testify in my behalf if any testimony had been needed. Make my compliments to Mistress Putnam, and give her my best thanks for the noble course in confessing by her absence that she was mistaken, and that she had accused the wrong person. The cool assurance with which this was uttered quite confused Thomas Putnam. Could his wife have stayed away purposely? Perhaps so, for she was accustomed to rapid changes of her plans, but why then had he been lured off on a wild goose chase all the way to Ipswich? 
while he was standing there musing his daughter came up i think father you and mother next time had better take my advice said that incorrigible and unimaginable young lady just about as opposite a character to the usual child of that period as could well be imagined but these witchcraft trials in which she figured so prominently had utterly demoralized her in this as in certain other respects chapter forty three what young master joseph putnam undertook to do he was apt to do pretty thoroughly when he had once made up his mind to keep both his brother's wife and his brother's himself away from the examination he had rapidly thought over various plans and adopted two which he felt pretty certain would not fail they all involved a little deceit or at least double dealing and he hated both these things with a righteous hatred but it was to prevent a great injustice and perhaps to save life as he rode rapidly homeward turning over various plans in his mind he had passed through the village when he saw some one approaching on what seemed to be the skeleton of an old horse he at once recognized the rider as an old character a carpenter whom he at one time had occasion to employ in doing some work on a small property he owned in ipswich reining up his horse master putnam stooped to have a chat with a man whose oddity mainly consisted in his taciturnity which was broken only by brief and pithy sentences a fine day ezekiel how are things in ipswich grunty ah i am sorry to hear it why what is the matter broomsticks chiefly you mean the witches that is a bad business but how shall we mend it the old carpenter was too shrewd to commit himself he glanced at master putnam and then turning his head aside and giving a little laugh said burn all the broomsticks a good idea replied master putnam also laughing oh by the way ezekiel i wonder if you could do a little errand for me and the young man took out his purse and began opening it you are not in a great hurry are you hurry is for fools you know where my brother thomas lives up this road they were just where two roads joined one leading by his own house and the other past his brother's i wish i knew the road to heaven as well you know how to keep silent and how to talk also ezekiel especially when you are well paid for it the old man laughed a little bullet sometimes makes a big hole he said i want you to go to my brother thomas and say simply these words ipswich crown and anchor very important indeed at once wait till he comes all right and he held out his hand into which master joseph put as much silver as the old man could make in her whole week's work you are not to remember who sent you or anything else than those words perhaps you have been drinking rather too much cider you know do you understand the old man's face assumed at once a very dull and vacant expression and he said in that impressive manner which rather too many glasses is apt to give ipswich crown and anchor very important indeed at once wait till he comes 
that will do very well ezekiel but not a word more mind tight as a tight wrap replied the old man and he turned his skeleton's head and went up the road towards thomas putnam's joseph felt certain that this would take his brother to ipswich both of them were greatly interested in a lawsuit with certain of ipswich people regarding the northern boundary of the putnam's farms thomas was managing the matter for the family and was continually on the lookout for fresh evidence to support the putnam claim in fact bright master raymond had once said that between the salem witches and the ips witches master thomas seemed to have no peace of his life but this was before the witch persecutions had assumed such a tragical aspect when ezekiel had found thomas putnam and delivered his brief message without dismounting from his skeleton steed master putnam asked at once who sent the message Ipswich, crown and anchor very important indeed at once wait till he comes repeated the old man with a face of the most impassive solemnity and emphasizing every sentence with his long forefinger and that was all master thomas could get out of him that much came just as often as he wished it but no more not a word mistress ann putnam had come out to the gate by that time he has been drinking too much cider she said this gave a suggestion to ezekiel yes too much cider rum steady me mistress putnam thought that it might produce an effect of that kind and going back into the house soon reappeared with a rather stiff drink of west indian rum which the old man tossed off with no perceptible difficulty he smiled as he handed back the tin cup which had held it yes steady now he said who gave you the message again asked master putnam ezekiel looked solemn and thoughtful who gave him the message replied ezekiel slowly yes who sent you to me who sent you to me again repeated ezekiel ipswich crown and anchor at once wait till he comes then the old man's countenance cleared up as if everything now must be perfectly satisfactory oh there is no use in trying to get any more out of him he is too much fuddled said mistress putnam impatiently more rum steady me mumbled ezekiel no not a drop more said thomas putnam peremptorily you have had too much already the old man frowned and turning the skeleton steed after considerable effort he gave his parting shot crown and anchor wait till he comes and rode off in a spasmodic trot down the lane i shall have to go to ipswich and see about this it may supply the missing link in our chain of evidence but how about this afternoon queried his wife oh i can get to salem by three o'clock by fast riding i will leave the roan horse for you saddle the grey mare jessophat and thus it was that his brother joseph looking out of his sitting-room window about an hour after his arrival at home saw master thomas putnam on his well-known grey mare riding along the road past his house on the most direct route to ipswich he is out of the way for one 
if he waits an hour or two for any person to meet him on important business at the crown and anchor thought the young man it is important indeed there that he should go and keep himself out of mischief and from helping to take any more innocent lives and when he comes to his senses in the next world if not in this he will thank me for deceiving him now let me see whether i can do as good a turn for that delectable wife of his chapter forty four about an hour afterwards master joseph saw one of his farm hands coming over the fields from the direction of his brother's house which was about two miles almost directly to the west of his own house going out to meet him he said well simon peter i see that you got the rake yes master joseph but they wish me to return it as soon as we can that is right finish your job in the garden this afternoon and take it back early tomorrow morning you can go to work now the man walked off toward the garden wait a moment cried his master the man stopped anything new at brother thomas's are they all at home no indeed master thomas has gone off to ipswich and little Anne is at salem town i could not borrow a horse then of them you think no indeed sir there is only one left in the stables and mistress putnam means to use that to go to the trial this afternoon oh well i do not care much and his master walked off to the house while simon peter went to his work then after a somewhat earlier dinner than usual master joseph ordered his young horse sweetbriar saddled and after kissing his wife in a scandalous manner that is out of doors where someone might have seen him do it he mounted and cantered off down the lane the young man loved a good horse and he claimed that sweetbriar with a year or two more of age and hardening would be the fastest horse in the province as to temper the horse was well named for he could be as sweet when properly handled as a rose and as sharp as briery as any rose stalk under contrary conditions a nervous sensitive high melted animal mistress putnam though a good rider said it was too much work to manage him while her husband always responded that sweetbriar could be ridden by any one for he was as gentle as a lamb just as mistress ann putnam had got through her dinner she saw her brother-in-law joseph riding up the lane the brothers as had been seen differed very widely relative to the witchcraft prosecutions but still they visited one another as they were held together by various family ties and especially by the old lawsuit against certain of the ipswich men to which i have alluded therefore mistress putnam opened the door and went out to the garden gate where by this time the young man had dismounted and fastened his horse is brother thomas at home sister anne no he had a call to ipswich this morning ah the lawsuit business i suppose so but the messenger was so overcome with liquor that he could not even remember who sent him why how could thomas know where to go then oh the man managed to say that his employee would be waiting for thomas at the crown and anchor where he usually stops you know well i am glad that thomas went i stopped to see if jessica could do a little errand for me 
I might have sent one of my own men, but I forgot matters sometimes. You will find him at the barn, replied Mistress Putnam, a little anxious to cut short the conversation, as she wished to get ready for her ride to Salem. Going to the barn, Master Joseph soon found Jessifat. How do, Fatty? This was the not very dignified diminutive intro, which Jessifat had dwindled in common use. How are you getting along? Fair to middling, sir. Not as well, though, as on the old place, Master Joseph. I do not want to interfere with my brother, remember, but if at any time he should not want you any more, remember the old place is still open for you. It was your own fault, you know, that you went. I did not know when I was well off, Master Joseph. I was a fool, that was all. I thought so, replied Joseph pithily. But no matter about that now. Can you do an errand for me? Of course I can, the mistress willing. Well, I said I wished to send you on an errand, and she told me where to find you. That is all right, then. Go to Goodman Buckley's in Salem Village, and ask him for a bundle I left. Bring it to my house, you know. You can take the roan horse there. And, by the way, Fatty, if you want to stop an hour or two to see the widow Jones's pretty daughter, I guess no great harm will be done. Jessifat giggled, but then his face clouded. But Mistress Putnam wants to take the roan herself this afternoon. The trial comes off, you know. Oh, it is not a trial. It is only an examination. And it is all fiddlesticks, anyhow. My sister-in-law is ruining her health by all this witch business. But if she insists upon going, I will lend her one of my horses. Therefore, that need not keep you. So Jessifat, in high glee at having an afternoon's holiday with the roan horse, threw on the saddle and mounted. As he rode a rapid canter down the lane, Mistress Anne heard the noise, but supposed it was Master Joseph riding off again, and did not even trouble herself to look out of the window, especially as she was just then changing her gown. Not long after, coming into the family room, who should she see there? sitting demurely reading one of the reverend cotton mather's most popular sermons but the same master joseph putnam whom she had thought she was well rid of i thought you had gone i surely heard you riding down the lane she said in a surprised tone oh no i wanted to speak with you about something who was it then i surely heard someone perhaps it was one of those spectral horses with a spectral rider as master mather says these are very wonderful and appalling times and the young man laughed a little scornfully brother joseph i do not care to talk with you upon this question i greatly regret as do your brothers and your uncles that you have gone over to the infidels and the scoffers and i regret that they are making such fools of themselves replied joseph hotly i have no time to discuss this question brother joseph said mistress anne with dignity I am going to Salem town this afternoon, very much in the cross, to give my statement against a young friend of yours. Would that I could have been spared this trial. And his sister-in-law looked up to the ceiling sanctimoniously. As Joseph told his young wife that night, her hypocrisy hardened his heart against her, so that he could have kept her at home by sheer force, if it were necessary, and at all expedient. In fact, he would have preferred that rough but sincere way. 
if you testify anything that throws doubt upon master raymond's perfect innocence and goodness you will testify to a lie replied master joseph severely as i said i have no time for argument will you be good enough to tell jessifax to settle the rowan for me you know that i had your permission to send fatty off on an errand and he is not back yet mistress putnam started and bit her lip she had made a mistake i suppose he will be back before long i doubt it i sent him to the village well i suppose i can put on the saddle myself your conscience probably would not allow you to do it even if common courtesy towards a woman and that woman your sister demanded it without deciding the latter point i should think it almost impossible for me to put a saddle on the rowan just now why i do not understand you because he is doubtless miles away by this time jessifant did not take the horse it is precisely what he did do i knew he wanted the roan to ride to salem town this afternoon he told me you did but i said that i thought you would have too much sense to go still if you would go i would lend you one of my horses well where is your horse there at the door you can take off my saddle and put on your side saddle and if you are in a hurry sweetbriar can do the distance in half the time that the roan could mistress putnam could have cried with anger and vexation like many people of strong and resolute will she was a good deal of a coward on horseback and she knew that sweetbriar was the farmer's called a young and very skittish animal still her determined spirit rose against thus being outdone besides she knew well that in a case like this where none of the afflicted circle were not even her own daughter would aid her the whole thing might fall through if she were not present so she said well i will saddle your horse myself here master joseph relented because he now felt certain of his game i have conscientious scruples against lifting even my little finger to aid you in this unholy business he said more placidly but under the circumstances i will saddle sweetbriar for you so saying he took off his saddle from the horse and substituted the side saddle which he brought from the barn then he led sweetbriar to the horse block and his sister-in-law mounted she glanced at his spurs you ride him with spurs i see hand me my riding whip she said pointing to where she had laid it when she first came out i would not strike him if i were you he is not used to the whip it might make him troublesome mistress putnam made no reply but gathered up the reins and the horse started down the lane a singular smile came across the young man's features he went back and closed the door of the house and then started in a rapid walk across the field towards his own home neither of them thought it mattered that the house was left for a time unprotected mistress putnam knew that a couple of farmhands were at work in a distant field who would be back at sundown and there were so few strollers at that time that no farmer thought of bolting up his doors and windows when he went to meeting or to see a neighbour the way home across the fields was a good deal nearer than to go by the road as the latter made quite an angle and as the young man strode swiftly on he could see in many places his sister-in-law riding deliberately along 
and approaching the forks of the road where any one going to his own house would turn and ride away from instead of towards salem town when she gets to the forks of the road look out for squalls said master joseph to himself for many had been his own fights with sweetbriar when the horse wanted to go towards his stable after a long ride and his young master wanted him to go into the opposite direction sweetbriar had already gone about twenty miles that day and besides had been given only the merest mouthful for dinner with the subject of preparing him for this special occasion the next swell in the ground afforded the young man an excellent view sweetbriar had arrived at the turn which led to his stable where rest and oaks awaited him and it evidently seemed to him the height of injustice and unreason to be asked to go all the way back to salem again mistress anne however knew nothing of these previous experiences of the animal but imputed his insubordinate behaviour entirely to self-will and obstinacy and thus as the great globe moves round the sun in a perpetual circle as the result of the two conflicting forces of gravitation and fly off it idleness so sweetbriar circled round and round like a cat chasing his tail as the result of the conflicting wheels of himself and his rider master joseph watched the progress of the whole affair with decided pleasure no woman but a witch could get sweetbriar past that turn he said to himself laughing outright and no man who had not a pair of spurs on at last getting out of all patience mistress putnam raised her whip and brought it down sharply on her horse's shoulder this decided the struggle for unused to such punishment the fiery animal reared and then turning sprang up the road that led to his stable at a wild gallop his rider as i have said was not a very good horsewoman and she now took hold of the horn of the saddle with her right hand to enable her to keep her seat and tried to moderate the gait of the horse with the reins and the voice abandoning all further resistance to his will and uselessness setting off at a run master joseph was able to reach home just about the same time as his sister-in-law did ah i'm glad you changed your mind sister anne about going to salem it is a great deal more sensible to come and spend the afternoon with elizabeth very glad to see you sister anne said mistress joseph coming out to the horse block at which sweetbriar from force of habit had stopped mistress anne looked offended and replied coldly i have no intention of coming here this afternoon sister elizabeth but this vile brute which joseph lent me after sending away my own horse would neither obey the reins nor the whip you rascal said master joseph severely addressing the horse you do not deserve to have a lady ride you can you not lend me another horse say the one elizabeth always rides all the other horses are out at work replied master joseph and before i could get one of them in and all groomed up ready for the saddle i am afraid it would be too late for your purpose so i must be compelled to do as you wish and stay away from the examination said mistress anne bitterly oh if you choose i will put a pillion on sweetbriar and see how that works replied master joseph 
with a meek and patient expression of countenance as of one unpraided without cause to be sure sweetbriar has never been asked to carry double but he might as well learn now as ever that seems to be the only thing that can be done now and the expression of mistress anne's face resembled that of a martyr who was about to be tied to the stake for riding on a pillion brought the lady always into the closest proximity with the gentleman and she was now cherishing towards master joseph a temper that could hardly be called sisterly there was necessarily a great waste of time in getting the pillion on sweetbriar he never had carried double and he evidently felt insulted by being asked to do it master joseph glanced at the sun and knew it must be now full two o'clock only by fast riding would it be possible to get to salem courthouse by three and the roads as they then were did not admit of fast riding except in a few places it was no easy thing for mistress anne to get on sweetbriar for the horse backed and sidled off from the horse-block whenever she attempted it all his sweetness seemed gone by this time and the briars alone remained at least fifteen minutes more were lost in this way but at last the difficult feat was accomplished hold on tight to me said the young man or you will be thrown off for the irritated animal began to curvet around in all directions manifesting a strong determination to go back to his stable instead of forward towards salem i think we had better try the other road and not pass the forks where you had so much trouble with him said master joseph as the horse went more quietly going up the first hill as you think best said his sister-in-law in a sharp tone if i had a horse like this i would shoot him oh sweetbriar is good enough usually i never saw him so violent and troublesome as he is to-day and i think i know the reason of it what is the reason i fear he has an evil hand upon him said master joseph with great solemnity nonsense replied mistress anne sharply he has got the wicked one in him that is the matter with him that is about the same thing said master joseph now they were at the top of the hill and the horse broke into tantrums again requiring all of master joseph's skill to prevent his toppling himself and his two riders over one of the many boulders that obstructed the road if you do not hold on to me more tightly sister anne you will be thrown off said master joseph putting back his right hand to steady her and mistress anne was compelled to lock her arms round him or take the chance of serious injury from being dashed to the rough highway the young man would have liked to relieve his feelings by a hearty burst of laughter as he felt her arms embracing him so warmly but of course he dared not they soon came near the main road running due north and south and which it was necessary to take as it led directly down to salem sweetbriar knew that road well and that he never stopped when once turned to the south on it short of a six-mile ride he remembered his recent victorious struggle at the forks and now resolved upon another battle all of master putnam's efforts or what seemed so could not get him headed southward on that road in truth burdened as he was the young man really could not do it without incurring too much risk to the lady behind him those who have ever had such a battle with a wilful mettlesome horse 
know that it often requires the utmost patience and determination on the part of his rider to come out victorious the best plan the writer speaks from some experience is to pull the animal round in a circle until his brain becomes confused and then start him off in the right direction but sweetbriar evidently had a better brain than usual for when the world came to an end it always found its pointing like the magnetic needle to the north it had been master joseph's plan to pretend a good deal of earnestness in the struggle which he was certain would come in this place but he was pleased to find that there was no need of any pretence in the matter the horse under the circumstances the young man having a lady's safety to consult was the master repeated trials only proved it whenever the fierce final tug of war came mistress anne's safety had to be consulted and the horse had his own way so as the result sweetbriar started off in a sharp canter up instead of down the road take me home then said his sister-in-law if you will not take me to salem if i will not repeated master joseph i give you my honest word sister anne that i could not make this horse go down the road with us two on its back if i stayed here all the afternoon trying i should think you must have seen that no matter take me home besides we could not get to salem before four o'clock now if sweetbriar went his best and prettiest i give it up let us turn and go home if we turn and go back the way we came i do not think i shall be able to get this self-willed animal past my own gate well what do you mean to do said the lady bitterly ride up to topsfield master joseph laughed no there is a road strikes off towards your house a short distance above here and i think i can get you home by it without any further trouble very well get me home as soon as you can i do not feel like any further riding or much more talking of course it is very aggravating replied master putnam soothingly but then you know as master paris says that all these earthly disappointments are our most valuable experiences teaching us not to set our hopes upon worldly things but upon those of a more enduring and satisfying character his sister-in-law's face that he could not see as she being behind him wore a look as she listened to this which could be hardly called evangelical you wished very much i know to go this afternoon to salem continued master joseph in the same sermonizing tone but doubtless your wish had been overruled for good i think as a member of church you should be willing to acquiesce patiently in the singular turn that affairs have taken and console yourself with the thought that you have been innocently riding these peaceful roads instead of being in salem doing perchance an infidel deal of mischief no doubt what you are saying seems to you very wise and edifying joseph putnam but i have a bad headache and do not care to converse any further but you must admit that your project visit has been frustrated in a very singular if not remarkable manner master joseph knew that he had her now at that advantage she was compelled to listen to everything he chose to say his saddle was even better in that respect than the minister's pulpit you might leave a church but she could not leave the horse i do not see anything very miraculous brother joseph in a young man like you having a self-willed and unprincipled horse 
in truth the wonder would be if you had a decent and well-governed animal replied his sister-in-law wrathfully the young man smiled at the retort but she could not see the gleam of sunshine as it passed rapidly over his face lingering a moment in the soft depths of his sweet blue eyes there was no smile however in his voice but the previous solemnity as he continued and yet if balaam's ass could see the angel of the lord with his drawn sword standing in the way and barring his further progress in wrongdoing why might not this horse who is much more intelligent than an ass have seen a similar vision the young man had begun this speech somewhat in sport but as he ended it the assumed tone of solemnity had passed into one of real earnestness for as he asked himself why should it not be this woman with him was bound on a wicked errand why should not the angel or the lord stand in her way also and the horse see him even if his riders did not mistress putnam made no answer perhaps now that the young man was really in earnest what he said made some impression upon her but more probably it did not he too relapsed into silence it seemed to him a good place to stop his preaching and let his sister-in-law think over what he had said thank heaven we are here at last said the baffled woman as they rode up to the horse-block at her own door sweetbriar stood very quiet as she stepped on the block master joseph keeping his seat will you dismount and stay to supper brother joseph said mistress anne in a soft purring tone master joseph fairly started with his surprise and looked steadily into her dark inscrutable eyes eyes like jails as she gazed upon sleeping caesar no i thank you i expect a friend to supper i hope brother thomas heard some good news at ipswich come and see us when you feel like it and he rode off as he told his wife afterwards he would not have taken supper with his sister anne that evening as he valued his life and yet perhaps it was all imagination and he did not see that thing lurking in the depths of his sister-in-law's cold unfathomable eyes that he thought he did and yet her testimony against rebecca nurse read to us even at this late day with all the charity that we are disposed to exercise towards things so long past as cold-blooded deliberate murder end of chapters forty one to forty four